This is mission.org. This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. I'm not gonna pile onto the poor cookie here. It's not necessarily the cookie's fault. It's again, going back to that simplicity of what are you trying to accomplish as a marketer and ensuring that your marketing strategy ladders up to that in a way that respects the consumer. Despite the industry's ongoing phase out of third-party cookies, the debate continues over how to strike the right balance between personalization and privacy in advertising. Our guest today suggests that respect for the consumer should always be at the center of the conversation. On this episode, we're pleased to welcome Rohini Sen, head of global solutions at the advertising tech company, Quantcast. Rohini brings to the conversation an extensive history in data and analytics, and is now helping her clients cut through the complexity in their ad tech experience. Learn why she is adamant about making the advertising process radically simple and how she's championing the consumer choice at Quantcast. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Today, I'm here with Rohini Sen, the head of global solutions at Quantcast. Rohini, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Super stoked to have you. For our audience, will you describe Quantcast and then what you do there as the head of global solutions? Absolutely. So Quantcast is an ad tech company. We are here to radically simplify advertising for our clients. And as the global head of solutions, I work with clients and I work really as a translation layer to make sure they're getting the latest and greatest from a solutions perspective in terms of insights, measurement, analytics, as well as customized product solutions to help them understand our platform, but also most importantly, how do you solve their problems leveraging our tech? What are you betting on? What's something that you're really interested in like sharing and connecting? My answer is that it should be simple. And I'm going to keep it simple because there is a lot of data. There are a lot of decisions to be made out there. But you need to structure and organize teams, data, decision-making to keep it simple, both internally and for your consumers. 
that's what Quantcast is here for. Like our role is to simplify the ad tech experience, is to simplify your tech experience. We have a lot of clients coming to us confused about data, about privacy, about how do you reach your consumers. The privacy laws are changing. And I think there's a lot of bohemets out there who have a lot of different interests across the board. It behooves them to make things complicated because they need to keep the revenue flowing in multiple different facets. Let's keep it simple. Let's figure out about what your goals are. How do we get there? And how do we do so while engaging your consumers? You want them to love you. You want them to love you as a brand and engage with you. And there is a simplicity to it. And you don't need all the data in the world to complicate that. You need the right data to help you meet your need. Mm, I, I love that. You know, you're, you're saying something that I have only heard really, I think one other time, I think about the hundreds of interviews I've done. There's been one person, Kevin Warren, who's the CMO of UPS, exceptional marketing leader. He talked about when he first came to UPS, how they had all this data. Look at all this data we have. We have so many, we have data on top of data. We'll show you reports and insights. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, this is too much. Like to your point, like this is way too much data. So I think you're you're bringing up something that I, I want to unpack a little bit more in that. And it's of course, if you look at any content around marketing and, and you know business these days, it's like data and insights and analytics. As we all talk about it, it's the world that you play in every day. So how how can brands in the Fortune 500 and beyond? How do these you know maybe some of these larger enterprise B two B brands, these players, how can they? How can they keep it simple right now? How can they begin to peel back these layers of maybe unnecessary complexity and say, okay, well, what's a step we can take to make it more simple? What's something we can do to kind of clear through all the clutter of analytics and insights and stories? What's really important? What can we share with our folks today about that? I think a really simple thing you can ask your internal teams is what's our number one, have them rank number one through number three priorities. And I will bet you even seen across the senior leadership, you're going to come back with different answers. And, and it's important to keep it high level. What are our corporate, our company-wide, number one through th- number three? Because obviously each domain is going to have different priorities in order to achieve the corporate goals. Absolutely. But from a corporate perspective, what are the top three? And then what are your individual team's goals and roles in order to achieve those top three? If you're not aligned, like crystal clear on what those top three are, it's not as simple to anybody interacting with you. And it's certainly not as simple to your consumer. Love that. Can you take us inside of maybe the top three that you're working on or top three that Quantcast is like focused on? Sure, absolutely. I talked about the first one. We are here to radically simplify advertising Love that. for our clients. I almost want to say that's one, two, and three. It's a big one. We are laser focused on, well, two things. Let's break these two up. First one is going to be privacy for our consumers and just our tagline tends to be that the champions of the open internet, but really just embracing privacy and an open internet, the competitive nature of the internet. The third one, it is connected, but it is important to break it out, is ensuring measurability. We really focus on ensuring things are measurable and accountable and that we perform and iterate and improve through time. You need to measure things in order to improve through time. So I would say as a company overall, um, those are our three biggest priorities. Wow. It's amazing to me to hear that you see things through a lens of like simplicity, you know, and it's like, to me, like your title and the business and the brand that you work with, like, 
I love that you're saying, okay, yes, we have a lot of data. We support a lot of brands and a lot of industries. And let's keep looking at things radically simply and measure that simplicity. And I think it could be so easy to be complex and to add unnecessary complexity to this. I know that your adventure into the world of analytics, at least in data, maybe it started when you worked at Analytic Partners. Is that kind of the beginning of like data and analytics being a part of your career? Or was it previous to that? I would say overall, it is previous. Um, okay. I will say I'm very impressed with some of the research you did. I'm like looking through <laughs> the thing of my Hopkins debate team. That is old school. <laughs> That's right. Alpha Phi sorority. Come on. JHU ethics board. We got it all. <laughs> wow. That's pretty impressive. Um, so uh, I think I have been a pretty quantitative, logical person for a while did take a lot of those econ classes from back that like it was a very quantitative focused curriculum from the get go that I've always had. And then I studied economic development for my master's. So there was a lot of like that econ focus. And when I, I was working in microfinance at the UN, and so that was also kind of like an economics focus, very quantitative. And to be honest, it almost wasn't quantitative enough for me. Um, in the public sector. And that's really when I shifted to analytic partners to go to the consulting kind of knee deep route to just get embedded in how does this work and to get trained and really learn in a corporate environment. Perfect. Okay. When did that start to kind of bleed into marketing? Like when did the marketing part of that come in for you of like, oh, I see where this is a lot of power in data and analytics and marketing? Pretty early on, actually, whew, about, well, early on, about 20-ish years ago. So it was okay. early years of of marketing mix modeling, if you've heard of that. Um, I remember, you know, waiting for subways and talking about models I was building. And this was back when, you know, modeling really referred to fashion modeling. Wow, yeah. <laughs> and getting some funny looks on, this, on the subway of like, wait, what? But I was talking about mathematical models, which now is a fairly common term. And I mean, again, this was before a lot of video on demand. It was before YouTube was everywhere. So it was a very different kind of modeling at the time, different kind of data capture, different kind of structure. But I loved the rigor and the solutions and how quickly the industry was changing. That made it really fun and exciting to be in the space. Now, how does this connect to this debate team experience at Johns Hopkins, which like top tier research university, amazing university? How did this interest in debate sharpen your interest in like analyzing data? Was there a connection at all or was that just a different side of Rohini? Oh, it's just it's two sides of the same coin, right? I mean, debate is all about logic and breaking down an argument. And what I do, yeah, there's data, but it's really what's the core question and how do I prove or disprove a hypothesis? then you need to know you have a giant haystack of data, right? You have to know where to look in order to prove or disprove or understand the question better. So I do think they're very similar. What are some of these core questions that you brought, you know, into the QuantCast opportunity? You know, outside looking in, you have this opportunity to join QuantCast. You're evaluating it. You're thinking through things before you, you know, make the mutually beneficial leap to join each other and work together. What are some of these core questions that you're either asking yourself about them or asking leadership teams? What are some of the things that you, yeah, you're asking yourself on them in terms of these core questions? Really important to me in this industry right now is how do we respect the privacy of users, of our consumers? I think about myself as a consumer of the internet, to be honest, and 
think about what would I like being done with my data? Because there's been a lot done with consumer data behind closed walls and being part of the industry, you have firsthand knowledge into understanding what that is. So really important for me in taking this job and, and evaluating it was, how does this company respect consumers? I mean, that's really important. And then obviously the next one is the logical thing for any potential employee. It's how do they respect the coworkers and the people who work there? Um, obviously that is incredibly important as well. A good working environment, respect, innovation, pushing boundaries within appropriate boundaries, within ethical boundaries, right? And so ensuring that the ethical boundaries are really firm, but the imagination and the creativity boundaries are completely flexible. Mm. So your role in its head of global solutions, right? Was that a new role created for you? Was that a gap that it, that kind of got created? They're like, wait, we need this? Or was that already a role before? Because I haven't heard that one yet. I'm curious about that. It was definitely a gap we identified okay. that we're really streamlining process in order to just simplify okay. things internally to address that gap overall. Okay, awesome. And then you've been there, you're coming up once your first year? Yeah, I just finished my first year, yep. Okay, so just kind of reflecting on that experience of, you know, on, on your first year, what was kind of the first thing you did to get a win early on? Like, what was an early win for you there of like something you figured out, you know, analyzed, simplified, right? Like, what's an early win for you? Of like, okay, I landed here. That's, that's one step. And the next step is like, maybe score some points. What was like some of your early points, early wins at Quantcast? Oh, there were a couple. Um, so overall, my motto is under promise over deliver. That being said, it was definitely drinking from a fire hose in the beginning. Um, it was a new role. It was a new department, new team. I was, I, I was hired to create and develop this team. And there were immediate things that you, I could identify as quick wins, medium wins, long-term wins, and the quick wins definitely starting to prioritize, hey, here's the roadmap and being very clear and transparent. Here are the things that I can accomplish quickly. Here are the things that are going to take some more time. And this is the long-term vision of where we're going. Putting that down on paper, circulating it, making sure you're saying the same thing and adjusting as needed based on, you know, based on learning more about the company. But overall, laying out what we needed to do, what the value of that was, being very crystal clear on what those, what those next steps were, and then delivering ahead of schedule. And I remember one of my, my bosses told me at the time, he was like, you know, you told me something was going to take six weeks. I wasn't expecting this in my inbox this early. <laughs> so almost I was over, over delivering because I got something to him too early to be prepared for it. But that's because some things worked out, you know, better. And then obviously adjusting things when there are setbacks. So being very clear, here's the reason for the setback. This is going to need to be adjusted. But delivering on what you say you're going to deliver is really critical. Were there certain metrics like in the beginning that you were paying attention to more or did you reprioritize any metrics when you first started of like, I know you're all focused on this thing over here, but it's actually this thing here that I want to look at. Was there any of that in terms of just looking at the existing data and metrics? If so, what were they? How did that impact what you did next? So I was coming in to play a really critical translation layer. We are a tech company, but we obviously deal with clients. And so it's really incredibly important that we simplify things for our clients, that we speak to our clients in a way in their language, we repeat their language back to them. But on the back end, we also have to ensure that 
technically we're doing our due diligence. So I think one of the really quick wins that I was able to make is start connecting the two better, right? So we were coming out with some really exciting new products to optimize media, optimize, sorry, branding media while in flight, which is really just thinking about how do you optimize things like awareness and consideration based on clients, almost real-time feedback, right? And it's very unique in the industry to have this capability. What set us apart is that, you know, others weren't offering it. Yes, that is measurable from, from, from other vendors, but we were actually able to ingest that into our algorithm and optimize in real time. There was a new and innovative approach to how we were doing it. And explaining that innovation, explaining what was really cool and new in a way that our clients understood it and not necessarily just that, hey, we're doing this. It's awesome. It was more of this is why it matters to you, because now you can expand your reach of prospect prospective clients. You can change your creative in flight if you need to. You can adjust your marketing strategy. Here's the wins that it brings to our clients. And that communication layer, I think, was really critical up front. And then you're right. As I started diving into the data, that did come later. But I will say overall, the connecting of dots actually was some of the lowest hanging fruit. Ah, okay. That's interesting. I, I know that a big, you know, so I say it's so not big. I mean, some of your work involves navigating the elimination of cookies, right? And why are, why are cookies so problematic for consumers? And and how have you seen the shift in, you know, thinking among marketers when it comes to using cookies? So it's a kind of an accident that we have cookies to begin with, to be perfectly mm. honest. The, the history of it is it was just almost an accident. But then we started appending all these tags and it started being used for marketing reasons. And then it just um, we started leveraging the cookie to do so much more than it was originally set up to do. But that being said, I don't know bluntly. This is kind of controversial, but I don't know that a cookie per se, there's anything wrong in it. It's how you're using that data. Again, depending on the consumer, how they're marketed to should be a consumer choice and which of their own data they're giving up to other marketers should be their own choice. Because largely, consumers didn't really know that they were sharing this data with this broad array of corporations until relatively recently when the targeting became much, much, much more pronounced and almost aggressive in some instances. So decreasing that is really critical and ensuring our clients have the ability to cap how many times you know any individual consumer can see a message and that they're interacting with the brand, you're pushing them towards, you know, brand safe sites, the clients towards brand safe sites, and that, you know, you're engaging with clients in a way that respects them as consumers, I think is really important. So I'm not sure that it's, the, I'm not, I'm not going to pile on to the poor cookie here. Uh-huh. It's not necessarily <laughs> the cookie's fault. It's again, going back to that simplicity of what are you trying to accomplish as a marketer and ensuring that your marketing strategy ladders up to that in a way that respects the consumer. If everybody followed those rules, we wouldn't be having this conversation about cookies. And guess what? All the solutions that are coming up to replace the cookie, you're still going to have to have those conversations. And that's why it's really important for me to differentiate between it's not really the cookie that's evil per se. It's not, sorry, I had quotation marks around that evil because we have to ensure as marketers that we're doing our best to respect our consumers. 
I know just like, you know, many other consumers, it seems like in the past couple years, at least where there's just been the spotlight on cookies, right? There's been this kind of almost smear campaign, if you will, like of like cookies are horrible. They're going away. Google stepping in Facebook, all the things, right? And now all of a sudden on my phone, everywhere I visit a website, it says, ask the app not to track you, which I always hit no. Now I always hit no because, you know, I've been conditioned to believe like, unless I know what I'm voting for, I'm just going to say no. And so I'm curious about what kind of your, how you're navigating this with larger brands and just insights, because I'm sure I'm not the only one that does this now. But now if you're giving me an option, you're not giving me any of this monetization. You're just, you know, you're basically saying, hey, can we monetize your data? Can we improve your experience? I'm saying no, unless that experience gets a little better and, and more clear. What are you noticing kind of broadly speaking in that? I'm sure there's probably conversations around that, but I know that now it's almost I'm conditioned to hit no every time. And I'm a marketer, right? And I love marketing. I love seeing different things, but it's like, there's a narrative that gets to change when it comes to cookies. And I think you're, you're kind of getting to that. And like, let's not put them in the all bad category, but I would love just your, your insights on that anecdotally. I think you're really asking about the future of personalization, like largely, like you're asking about what's the future there if all consumers are opting out. Right, exactly. There's a couple of different things, right? There, you say you're saying no to everything, But have you ever exchanged your email address or phone number for a discount? Have you ever, you know, given voluntarily given your information, like when you're checking out for an online experience, have you ever had them save your username and passwords that future checkouts can be more seamless? See, you're nodding yes. Sorry, (laughs) like that's really important because those are all Uh positive experiences. Mm -hmm. I know for me, every time I have to reorder diapers or reorder, like all the different things that I'm doing on a daily level, it is so easy for me when a retailer makes it easier for me. They save my order. I'm logging in and I can just repeat order on a Friday night for the whatever pizza personalizations I want. There's buckets there that are incredibly useful where I am sharing personal information. I think you're nodding because I think this is universal, right? And so I, again, as a consumer, also want other recommendations that are similar to that because you don't want to be missing out. You know, I had a second kid recently. And so what's changed for parenting? What's changed for the products? What's cha- I am opted in for a lot of that information. And it comes pretty much almost customized for who I am as a consumer, which I do appreciate as a consumer. So you're right to some degree, there are people opting out and there are people opting in. I opt out of a lot as well, Um, but I opt in for things that make my life easier and better. There are very few consumers who are not opting in at all for anything. And so we have to take that into consideration, A. But then the B is that there is a trade-off and this larger landscape is, I think the pendulum has kind of swung in a couple, back and forth now where pre everything being on the internet, you know, you had to subscribe to every newspaper in order to access the news. You had to subscribe to the news. You had to pay for it. You had to pay for all different forms of information across the board. And then we got used to being able to access all of these news sites for free and all of the different um, information on the internet for free. And the exchange model there was, that we were giving them information about ourselves for free. So there was an exchange both ways. We were getting content as, con- sorry, I'm talking as a consumer now. We were getting content, but we were giving up portions of our information. 
And so moving forward, that trade-off is going to be a little bit more balanced now. Likely, and I'm sure you have seen this too, you get to paywalls. And so you either have to pay for the content again, but that requires sharing some personal information, or you have to consent to share your information, your cookies right now, but share information to access that information for free. So you can sometimes pay for it and check the box then that says, don't share my information. That's fine. But there's just different trade-offs. And I think we have to like take a step back to say, hey, this entire ecosystem, it costs money to put out this content on a consistent basis. And what's the trade-off going to be? What am I as a consumer willing to accept for that trade-off? Do you think we ever get to a scenario where the consumer is paid or, or compensated to say, yes, hey, use my data, you know, use it, sell it, do whatever you want with it, but give me something for that. Do you see that kind of a scenario playing out at scale? Personally, I don't. I, well, it sort of exists right now. It does exist right now when we're signing up for, there's a lot of like coupon, there's um, add-ons, plugins you can get onto your browser that monitor your information and you get discount codes across different kinds of sites and they customize those discount codes. So you can consider that monetization for the consumer. Mm, okay. Um, I think that's the closest we're going to get, to be honest. That's one of the biggest ones. I don't think you're going to get, you know, a cent based on browsing behavior okay. back if you're looking for an actual paycheck number. Okay. I think that's the balancing act. But again, it's an exchange of goods and services. It's an exchange of data and services. So that's always been, that's been, the marketing landscape since pre-internet. It's just how it plays out. We can jump into kind of a fun lightning round. So before we get into the first question, I want to give a special shout out to Salesforce, our sponsor for the show. If you want to learn more, head over to salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We have Rohini Sin in the house. First question, are you ready? Let's go. And try to be quick with these. Don't think too, too much. This is lightning round. So try to be quick. You're talking to a data person. That's very hard for me. <laughs> Let me go to the back, analyze some data and come back to you with a pithy response. That's great. That's great. Okay. Give us your best shot. Last time you tried something new. Uh, I just had a baby again. So first time having a second baby. <laughs> hey. every, every day has been new since then. Okay. I love that. That's a fair, a very fair answer. What is one life lesson that you've learned the hard way? Ooh, that is a really hard one. Um, in a lightning round? Okay, see, now I'm just stalling for time. <laughs> <laughs> a life lesson I have learned the hard way. Procrastination is great, but do not procrastinate too, too much. Ooh, I like that. Okay, okay. <laughs> what is one activity that makes you lose track of time? Reading. That leads to our next question. If you could choose one book, that's mandatory for all like junior high or high schoolers, what book would it be? Ooh, this is a safe choice, I suppose, but To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, that's good. Classic. Would you rather lose all of your old memories or never be able to make new ones? Oh, come on. <laughs> um, it's going to have to be a lose the old ones, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tough one. What is something that you, Rohini, are betting on for the future. It could be professionally betting on, could be personally betting on. What's, what are you betting on for the future? Betting our kids are going to be very innovative um, and find some solutions that we are digging ourselves into for them. 
Mm, I love that answer. There's been a lot of brands. I'm sure you've heard of them. Many of them are probably your clients, but Wendy's, Chipotle, a bunch of other companies are exploring this potential of virtual worlds. What do you make of this? Oh, I mean, it's an exciting new place. I think there's there's a lot of development that has to be done. Um, and definitely, we just, just talked about you know, the future of our, of kids and, you know, innovating. It's definitely, there's, there's more to come, but it's, it's an exciting space to be. Mm. What is something that impresses you? Being ethically completely consistent and kind and still being ambitious. Wow. That's, that's really good. If you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go? Well, that's a fun one. Past, future, I would go a hundred years in the future. Ooh, okay. What is success for you now? What is success for Rohini Sen these days? Coming home and seeing my kids smiling. All-time favorite answer. That's awesome. Being a fellow parent, I agree. What is a skill that you believe everyone should have? Very open answer here, but communication. What is your favorite app on your phone? Texting and calling. Super okay. simple. Those okay. aren't actually those aren't even apps. Those are basics. <laughs> any apps? Any apps stick out? But how old school am I that, oh, I guess the app would be the FaceTime app. Um, yeah, but that's, I, yeah. yeah. If you could effortlessly pick up a new skill in an instant, what would it be? Teleportation. Well, you already did that earlier, Rohini. So <laughs> we got you. Yeah, but I want it for real. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last question. And Rohini, this has been such a cool conversation. Last question. What is one thing that you want to do this year that you've never done before? Oh, my God. Uh, sleep through the night with two kids in the house. <laughs> you killed it. You killed it. I've done, I've done these lightning rounds a lot, Rohini. You killed it because you, you double down on being a parent more than once. And I love that those answers. So thank you for being a part of Marketing Trends. This was such a cool conversation. Like I loved your perspective and your path into analytics and data. So kudos to you. Shout out to the Quantcast team. And thank you for being an awesome guest on Marketing Trends. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. It was great. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences so you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster, and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. 
Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.